2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's there in the New Testament, more towards the back end. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to purchase a Bible. I believe that's probably the best gift that you can ever buy someone. I know Christmas just passed, but we just don't have a season of Christmas. We actually are a living, walking, talking, breathing Christmas. Uh, uh, 365 days of the year. It's what we do. So I want to challenge you. If you see someone that doesn't have a Bible, you know somebody that doesn't have one, or even you yourself, maybe purchase yourself a Christmas gift and uh, get yourself a Bible. Amen? Bibles are good. It's a good thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. It says, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, <laughs> some of you right there, let's just have an altar call. I'm not prideful. Therefore, in order to keep me from being prideful, some of your translations say, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded, some of your translations say, I prayed fervently with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Before you're seated, I want you to shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, shh, then you may be seated. We all love stories that talk about answered prayer, right? We all love stories about answered prayer. We get a thrill hearing about the accounts of God's miraculous interventions in people's lives. If you were here even just a few weeks or months ago, you heard a, a, some powerful stories of two women that came up here that were not only cancer survivors, but the cancer is gone. No longer is the cancer in their body. Come on, that's something to give the Lord a hand about, praise about. These kind of stories, they motivate us. They, they get us excited. They, they get us to even be di more diligent about our prayer. It's why we even pray. We're specific, we're confident, and we're even bold. We're absolutely convinced many times that God is going to answer our prayer, especially when we hear of others. We feel a level of faith and enthusiasm, enthusiasm that we've never experienced before. We ask, we seek, and we knock. But what do we do when God is, what do we do when he's quiet? What do we do when he's silent? What do we do when the thing that we wanted so much to happen doesn't materialize from the spiritual into the natural? What happens many times is our zeal is crushed and we begin to even wonder and we even ask ourselves and we even ask God, is it worth it that I do something wrong? Does, does God even hear my prayers? Does he even care? We ask ourselves so many different questions when God is 
Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that even though God is, he hears you. The prayer that you pray is powerful. The prayer that comes from the depths of your soul is a powerful prayer. Matter of fact, no one is a firmer believer more in the power of prayer than the devil. Not that he practices it, but that he suffers from it. Believe me, the enemy even knows that your prayer is powerful. Even though you may think it's, well, I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. Know this, your prayer is powerful. And the enemy knows that your prayer is powerful. So what does he do? He tries to distract you and keep you away from the power that we call prayer. Many of us have children, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie called The Santa Claus. You ever seen that movie, The Santa Claus? Well, in that movie, there's a, a man by the name of a Tim, Tim Allen, right? And he becomes Santa Claus. But after causing Santa, the, the real Santa in that movie, to fall off the roof and he dies, what happens is Tim Allen then becomes the new Santa Claus. Now, in the Santa Claus, Tim's ex-wife and her new husband both confess that they no longer believe in Santa Claus. And they tell it when it was in their lives that they stopped believing in Santa and what had caused it. It was when the request that they made of Santa were denied. The woman had requested a special doll and the stepdad had requested a special whistle. When they didn't get what they wanted, they responded by simply closing themselves off to the reality of Santa Claus. Some people respond the same way to God when they don't receive what they ask for. The television mogul Ted Turner, who is now, actually, he's one of the loudest voices in criticizing Christianity, said that he had a strict Christian upbringing. He even considered becoming a missionary at one point in his life. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution quoted him as saying this, he was saved seven or eight times in his life, but he, be, but he said that he became disenchanted with Christianity when despite his prayers for his sister and her health, she had passed away. Many times, God's nose is not just limited to those who are living a sinful life. No matter how spiritual we may be, there are going to be times that in our life, God says no to our prayers. It doesn't matter how much you've sacrificed or how much you've endured for the cause of Christ. Even if you read the, uh, the biography of the Apostle Paul, you will see that there are many times that God told him no. He had endured a lot. It doesn't matter either how much you and I have accomplished for the cause of Christ. There will be times within our lives that it feel like God has turned a deaf ear to our requests. Again, Paul is the example of this who had accomplished much and he did a great deal for God. He had started many churches, written down portions of the Bible, and trained young passions, uh, pastors and missionaries. But even for him, there were times that God was silent. If it happened to Paul, then my friend, it can happen to any one of us. Many of us, when we go through certain things, we have a lot of questions. And in these questions, it's really about the, not so much the action, but the reaction. How do we respond to what happens within our lives? Here this morning, 
I know that many of us, we have been praying many of even the same prayers for a number of years. And we are figuring, you know what? God's not answering, so I'm going to stop praying. God's not giving me what I wanted, therefore I'm, gonna give him, I'm not going to give him what he wants, and that is fellowship with him. So I'm not going to give him the rightful fellowship that is due to him. I want to give you six uh, Christ-honoring responses that I believe that I find in this portion of Scripture that are going to help us in our prayer time, that are going to help us in our time, uh, especially this month, of praying this month that we have, and even particular th- particularly this week of reaching up, that I believe that are going to help us even when God says no. Even when God is within our lives. How are we going to respond? Now, in our response, I don't know about you, but I have four children. And there's many times where I have to tell my son or tell my daughter no. And you know what the majority of their response is? That's a response. Because no child wants to hear no. No child wants to hear wait. Matter of fact, even this morning, my son was, we were getting ready, we were walking out the door. He says, okay, Dad, I'm going to go. Wait. Oh, I don't want to wait. Just wait. I don't want to wait. I said, are you a boy or are you a girl? Stop crying like that. Stop doing that. And because I, I get a response from my son. Like, I don't ask questions to not get a response. I actually want a response. So I told him, are you a boy or a girl? Are you a boy? I'm a, I'm a boy. Okay. Then act like it. Act like a man. For many of us, well, I don't want to. Are you a Christian or are you not? Are you a Christian? Well, I'm a Christian. I guess I'll forgive her. Okay, it's humorous, but yet you and I, the Bible calls us children of God. Listen, we are children of God, not children of the world. We, don't, we should not be giving the response like the world. We should be giving a response like a child of God. Can I hear an amen? This month of prayer, I pray that you will have the right response to the right action that God gives you. Are you ready here this morning? Really quickly, I just want to give you... This is actually six responses, but here this morning, I'm only going to give you three because I'll give you the next three next Sunday when you come back. (coughs) These are responses on how to respond when God gives you that answer of shh. Number one, treat trials as a gift from God. I know you don't want to hear that one. I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of amens on that one. I was like, what? <laughs> Trials are not a gift. This is what Paul said. He said in 2 Corinthians, it was given to me. Now, you can either treat them like a nuisance where, they just, where you just ignore it and it will just go away. I don't know if you've ever had a problem with your car before, but if you're like me, I'm not a mechanic. So because I'm not a mechanic, whenever I hear a problem with my car, the way that I go about it is that I keep driving, it'll go away. Right? That's how a, mechan- a non-mechanic thinks. I'm not a mechanic, so I just figure if I keep going, it'll go away. It has to. That's just the way the car is made, right? No. 
That's not the way the car was made. Sometimes we don't pray about certain things because we refuse to acknowledge even their very own existence. But if we acknowledge it and we understand it, we can understand that even the trials are a gift from God. A gift to be accepted. Now, this is the key. Acceptance is the key. You have to accept this gift that God has given you. The point of prayer is to get God's will accomplished on earth, not man's will accomplished in heaven. Are you hearing me? The point of prayer is to get God's will accomplished on earth, not man's will accomplished in heaven. Now, you're probably saying, well, pastor, why a gift? You know why a gift? Because a gift brings joy. A gift brings joy. I'm trying to change your perspective on some of the things that come your way. And if you accept them accordingly, then you're going to see them accordingly, and you're going to be able to react to them and respond to them accordingly. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy. Now, you would think he would say, count it all joy when you receive a million dollars. Count it all joy when everybody listens to you because you're the smartest person in the room. Count it all joy when your husband heard everything you said and he did everything you wanted him to do. Count it all joy. I wish I could preach like that guy, right? Count it all joy, brothers. When you go through it of many kinds. Uh, I can't do that, amen. I can't do it. I know the people I'm talking to. I understand it. Count it all joy. But you don't know what she did to me. James said, count it all joy when you go through trials. Count it all joy when people backstab you. Count it all joy when people gossip about you. Count it all joy when people give you dirty looks. Count it all joy. That's it. Because when you have the perspective that it's a gift, you count things differently. You don't see it the same way. And he said, because in these trials of knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces patience. See, gifts come from people who love you. Gifts come from people who love you and people who you love. Matter of fact, gifts, at least the best ones, come from people who know you. When you understand that the trial that you went through is because God knows you. God understands who you are, and he understands, get this, what you need. He understands exactly what you need to produce what he wants out of you. Matter of fact, I've received lots of gifts over the years, different toys, different books, different things over the years. I even remember getting, I'm not kidding, this is not, I'm not making this up. I remember getting a gift of eating donuts. Because it, and it, was, it was in a bow. I'm not lying. It was in a bow. It really was. It was wrapped up in a bow. Because this, this was at the time when, you know, the, there was a, a certain donut place. I don't want to say it because then I'm going to get you hungry. But it's in Union City right next to Jollibee's. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. They're so creamy and so crispy. Oh, my gosh. But I got a box of these donuts with the bow and all that stuff. I was like, and I seen the box. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, the, for those of you that remember when they first got here, you know what I'm talking about, right? There was lines and lines. And now you could just go there, no problem. But when, when it first came out, I was like, oh, I got this box. I was like, yeah. I opened it up. I was like, 
There were like two of them. There were a total of 12, but two of them had been eaten, like half eaten. I was just eat the whole thing. <laughs> I go get to me. You know, later I found out they didn't know, but their you know child had dipped into it and you know and ate it. And then, right, and I, I looked at him and go, "Yeah, sure, your child, your inner child, right?" You know. See, when you understand that the trials that you go through are a gift. Your perspective changes. Listen, it may not be the gift that you want, but it's a gift. It may not be the prettiest gift, but it's a gift. It may may not be the most handsomest gift, but it's a gift. It may be a little ugly, but it's your gift. Listen, when you begin to understand the trials that come your way are a gift, you begin to accept them a little bit differently. Man, thank God that I'm going through a trial. Rather than waking up in the morning going, man, I got to go to work with this guy. Oh, my God, this guy gets on my nerves. But when you understand the perspective of what Paul had, he said, man, it was given to me. So you wake up and say, man, I can't wait to go to work and talk to that guy. I cannot wait. Why? Because he's my gift. My gift. Yay. Hopefully some of you wives, you'll understand. He's your gift. Yes. May not be the most handsomest, but he's yours. Forgets to take out the garbage. My bad. But he's yours. It's a gift. And understanding and getting this perspective totally changes the way you respond to things that come your way. The second Christ-honoring response, are you getting some here this morning? The second Christ-honoring response, and when God is very, shh, is that you must remember what God has already said. Remember what God had already said. In this portion of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, surpassing great revelations. When God doesn't seem to be saying anything, rest your confidence on what God has already said. I'm going to say that one more time. When God doesn't seem to be saying anything at that present time, at that present moment, rest your confidence in what God has already told you, what he shared with you before. As I was studying this, all of a sudden a song came to remembrance. This was years ago. I, I was a kid. For those of you that obviously I keep recollecting on, on things when I was a kid. When I was five years old, I remember a lot of stuff. And I think I was around six years old, and we had this group. Uh, there actually was a married couple. I don't know if they're still around, but I, I want to make sure I say their name right. It was Reba Rambo and Donnie McGuire, right? You remember that? Reba, so I looked it up. I was going on the Internet. I was like, oh, right. and they did a, they did a song uh, called uh, When I Need a Friend, I Go to the Rock. You guys remember that song? The, I, I, this is a chorus. It says, I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. Hey, builders rejected. Instead of builders unlimited, I like that. That's what I thought of when I thought of you. I was like, oh. Anyways, I run to the mountain. The mountain stands by me. Stands by me. When all the earth around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. I remember where I need to go to in the times when no one else is coming to me. 
I remember where I should listen from when everyone else is saying this and that, but God ain't saying this or that. I know where to go to. I remember what he shared with me when I first got saved. Some of you, even right now, I know you've been saved five years, ten years, but some of you, you need to remember what God told you when you were five minutes saved, when you were ten minutes saved, and God began to speak life into you, and he began to share with you, I've got promises for your family. i got promises for your son. i got promises for your father. i got promises for your mom. And I know five, ten years later, I go, man, when is it going to happen? Remember what he told told you even back then i go to the rock the rock of my salvation some of you here this morning you just got to remember i know god is being a little silent but remember when he was speaking loud and clear you ever have those times where you know without a shadow of a doubt you heard it up here earlier with one of the girls he said god spoke to me god spoke to me it was loud and it was clear remember those times when they were loud and they were clear you got to remember that Think about some of the surpassing great revelations that God has given to you. Many of you, if you get an opportunity, go back to the book of Psalms. Listen as the writers struggle with their own questions about unanswered prayer and a God that seems very far away. If you listen to them, you will listen to them complain over the fact that at the time when they needed to see God's face, that his face seemed to be hidden. And then listen to them find confidence in the promises of God that will never change no matter how our world may be changing all around us. See, my friend, God may be quiet right now, but what some of us need to do is we need to remember when he was speaking loud and clear. I was going over the book of Psalms even last night. I was reading many of them. I said, man, look at this, because you will read uh, many of the, it seems like, complaints. Well, I hear everybody. They're saying this about me. Nobody, this has been stretched for me. This has been taken from me. I can't do this. Everybody's charging against me. But I like this one uh, verse. I believe it's in Psalms chapter 52. He says, but I stand like a tree, an olive tree, in the house of my God. I'm not going anywhere. I remember the roots that I've had to plant inside, and I'm not going anywhere. Even though God may not be speaking the way I want him to speak, I remember when he spoke, and because of that, my roots are here. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast, a righteous spirit within me. I remember when you gave me those promises years ago, and I messed up even last year, but Lord, take not your spirit away from me. I remember when you gave it to me and then I rejected it. But Lord, I'm remembering now. Bring it back. Some of you here this morning, you got to start remembering what God did within your life. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, prayer may not change things for you, but, is, but it is for sure changes you for things. The third Christ-honoring response and the last one here this morning that we are to do sometimes when God is very shh, is that we need to continue praying to our Lord. Continue praying to our Lord. Paul says, three times I pleaded. Paul's prayer was persistent and it was passionate. When Paul talked about praying three times, it didn't mean that he casually prayed over his need three times and then he quit. In other words, 
It doesn't mean that he added an afterthought at the end of his breakfast or his lunch and his dinner and said, you know, uh, thanks for this food, God. It was really cool. It was really great. Uh, Bless the food. Oh, yeah, and by the way, don't forget about that other thing I was talking to you about. It wasn't a P.S. after his prayers. It wasn't one of those just addendums that say, oh, by the way, don't forget about. No, three times he pleaded. Paul pleaded with God. The word pleaded is translated to the same root word that is used to describe the way that Jairus asked for the healing of his daughter who was dying in Mark chapter 5. It was the same plead how the leper sought cleansing from his leprosy in Mark chapter 1. It was the same plea how a servant begged for his master for mercy over a bill that he owed his master, uh, that he owed his master because he would not be thrown into prison and separated from his family in Matthew chapter 18. If you think about it, how would you pray if your daughter was sick? How would you pray? if you were dying from a a, a disease that was going to take your life? How would you pray if all of a sudden you had to go to jail for a debt that you owed? How would you pray? Wouldn't that kind of change a little bit? See, it wasn't the kind of plea that, Father, bless this food. Oh, yeah, you know, that debt that I owe, I might go to prison tomorrow. I don't really know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't, but whatever. Okay, thanks. It was the same plea that when this man came to Jesus and said, listen, my daughter is sick. We need you and we need you now. I'm not leaving here until you go there. It was the same kind of plea where they got on their knees and said, listen, I'm not leaving here until I know that you're going to show up there. It was a plea. It was a desperate plea. It was a passionate plea. This type of passion, this type of persistence is something that many of us, we need to catch in our spirits. This doesn't happen just one time, but it comes time after time after time after time. How would you and I pray? if something drastic was happening within our families. See, the first response that many, many people give when God doesn't come through for them is that they give up on God or they even give up on their prayers. They do the whole Santa Claus thing. Well, I didn't get my whistle, so I don't believe anymore. I didn't get my doll or it didn't happen the way that I wanted to. It didn't come accordingly, so I'm just going to stop, you know, believing in God. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to stop giving. I'm going to stop all this stuff because it didn't happen the way that I wanted. The value of consistent prayer is not that he will hear us, but that we will hear him. I'm going to say that one more time. The value of consistent prayer is not that he will hear us, but that we will hear him. See, many may have hinted, suggested, or even asked, but I want to ask you this morning, have you pleaded? It may very well be that God, isn't, God is just waiting until you and I are flat on our face before him, laying it all on the line, humbling ourselves in his eyes before he will give us the answer to our prayer. The Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The only reason that Paul quit praying this particular request was because God gave him an answer. And the answer that he got was no. The answer that he got was no. See, Paul accepted that answer and continued on with his life. 
You ever heard that analogy or you ever heard that, uh, excuse me, an acronym, PUSH? Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. If you've never heard it, you should need to write that down, put it in your Bible, write it wherever, write it on your hand. I know many of you, you write on your hand. I, I look at many of you when I shake your hands after. I'll shake the hand. I can see all the sweat right there. You can see, oh, it's taking notes. Amen. Hand, that's a good place to take notes. Amen. All right. There's pieces of paper right there. Take them all right there. But pray until something happens. Pray until something. Plead until something happens. Go after it until something happens. Don't give up praying until something happens to change your situation or to change you. Don't stop praying until your situation changes or until you change. There's a story of a little boy. He, he told his teacher one day that he had lost his marble. He asked if he could have prayer that God would enable him to find it. The teacher was a Christian, and so she agreed. The very next day, she hesitantly asked the little boy if he had found his marble. He answered, no, ma'am, I didn't find it, but he did take away my desire for it. Changed everything. See, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. See, some of you here this morning, you got to learn what it is to push. You got to learn what it is to push. But I don't see anything happening in my relationship. Push. Well, I don't see anything happening within my finances. Push. Some of you got to start learning how to push. Some of you got to get in there and start, start pushing. Some of you are like, well, well I, I prayed for like two seconds. You know, I said, God, you hear me, right? God knows my heart. No, you got to learn what it is to push. Paul pleaded three times. That same plea was saying, listen, this plea that I'm giving you, I will not go anywhere until my daughter gets healed. The same push is the same push that the woman with the issue of blood did both in the super and in the natural. She pushed. Some of you, this January 2015, you got to learn what it's like to push. This coming year, I, I know that I, I'm excited because I'm going to push for some things, both in the physical and in the supernatural. I'm going to push for some things in the mental. I'm going to push myself mentally. I'm going to push myself spiritually. Why do I say that? I say, well, because if I push, I know the church will push. As goes the shepherd, so goes the sheep. I can't ask the sheep to do anything that the shepherd won't do. I'm believing that this year I want to push like never before. I'm going to push for my family. I'm going to push for my cousins. I'm going to push for my aunt. I'm going to push for my uncle. I'm going to push for my family members. I'm going to push for those that aren't saved, that no longer they left the Lord. They left out these doors. I'm going to push for them. Uh, I was reading an article, and I said, man, this is a powerful, powerful article. I like it. I was reading it, and you know what the pastor did? And I'm being accountable to you. This is something uh, I just want to be accountable to. He said, every day he wrote an email, a text, and a phone call. I said, ooh, my gosh. 300, in 365 days, he touched 800 people. I was like, man, that's tight. So this is what, January 4th? All right. I'm four days into it. I'm four for four. Hallelujah. I've been doing it. I've been doing it. I'm not telling you anything I haven't been doing. I'm doing it. And I'm looking around. He's not here, but it's okay. I'm still going to call him. Oh, he knows who he is. Not here. His name's Johnny. I know he's around here. John, are you here, Johnny? I don't see you, Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Vasquez. Johnny, I'm putting you on blast on my podcast right now. That's cold, huh? That's cold. I don't care. So he's one. I actually have three others. But I'm believing for their salvation. I'm going to push. 
I want to do something I've never done before. And if, you, if anybody knows anything about me, I love to do things that have never been done. I just like to do it. Well, you really can't do that. Why? Well, that's a little too much, says who? Well, you really can't go there. Why? Have you been there? I don't care. I want to do something. Why can't we build a monumental church here in the city of Hayward? Why not? Why can't we do that? Did you know that the Bay Area, as it comes to the piano, the Bay Area is the third, um, I, I want to say the right word here, the third non-belie- most non-believing uh, community in America when it comes to the Bible. The Bay Area. is Now, when I say non-believing, it doesn't mean that you go up the street and go, hey, do you believe in God? I go, ah, I believe in God. I mean practicing. Practicing. Now, if you go to your work, some of you, you will ask some of them, I believe in God, but do they practice it? No. The Bay Area is the third, the third most unbelieving Bible-practicing community in America. Number one, Boston, Massachusetts. Ironic that that's actually where we started our religious freedom over there on the East Coast. Boston, all that stuff, Philadelphia, New York. And they don't practice it. Now, when we look at San Francisco right away, we can go, yeah, man. We call it, we even here in the Bay Area kind of call that Sodom and Gomorrah, man. That place is crazy. Well, if we're going to infiltrate the darkness the way that God has called us, and some of us, we got to start. This year, you got to. It's too hard. Man, but I, I, I've got other things I've got to do. You know what happens after you push? And you're saying, I can't do it. I can't make it. All of a sudden, you look at yourself and go, where do those muscles come from? How'd that happen? Because while you were pushing and praying, God was building character inside of you. The whole time. My prayer is that we don't ask for a change of circumstances, but we ask for a change of character. That this year God would change who we are and not what's around us. Because it's all about how we respond. Listen, my father used to say this all the time. He used to say, look, sinners are going to sin. Dogs are going to bark. They do what they're supposed to do. That's what they do. But us... As Christians, we're the ones that should be. I know some of you, you go to your job and you just have that one guy. There's always that one guy or even that one girl. They cuss up a storm on purpose in front of you. Right? They just do it and they know you're saved. And they just want to mess with you. They drop every beep, beep, beep. Oh, yeah, with the poop, poop, and I was poop, poop, and last night we were all poop, poop, and I was like, poop, poop. <laughs> and they do that just to mess with you. This year, instead of just kind of like retreating, like, all right, we're challenging some of you, even in the middle of your workplace. I know some of you have a break room, right? You have a break room. Middle of your break room, right? Just do something that's never been done. You ain't never done it before. Middle of your break room. They're all having breaks, and they're talking this, and they're saying that, and they're bringing this about uh, the weekend, and they're saying, uh, middle of your break room. 
Go ahead, keep talking, keep talking. Keep talking. I'm going to talk about you because I'm on my knees. And just start praying. Father, right now, pray that you would touch my boss. Pray that you would touch my coworker, God. They say all these things that seems fun for a season, but Lord, let them see your power. Let them see your glory. Let them see that, Father, you are real in this job site and this community. Let them see integrity. Let them see honesty. Let them see purity here in this job place, Lord God, in this workplace, oh God. Lord, let them see the light that you have for this job. And then guess what? When you get up, Everything that you prayed for is you. Your integrity, your honesty, your power, your purity, you're the light. Pray until something happens. Sometimes God is a little shh, but it shouldn't stop you from being Whatever head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Touch the hearts, the minds, the bodies, the souls, oh God, of the men and women that are here. Use them for your honor, for your glory, my God. Father, we know that prayer doesn't change you, but it will change us. It will change us. This January, as we get ready to reach up this whole week of prayer, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Father, help us. Even some of us that we can't pray longer than five minutes, but Lord, help us just to get in the atmosphere of prayer. Just so we can come and get around others who know how to push harder than we do. Thirty years, thirty-four years we've pleaded to bring heaven to earth. And thirty-four more years we're going to continue to plead for the changing of Hayward. We will, I will, see your glory in this city once again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here this morning, you say, you know what, I, I need my prayers to change like never before. I need there to be a change in my life. I don't want the same old, same old. Uh, I've been forgetting what God has been speaking into my life. I've been saved for a little while. I need to remember. I need to remember on Christ the solid rock. I, I need to remember those old songs. Some of you, you got to get back to those old hymnals. Just start singing those songs in your house once again. I know they may be old school. And even a few people say that's old school. We don't do that anymore. But one thing that we always do is we always worship God. we got to always remember the promises. Always remember what God spoke to you and God told you when you first got saved or even last year if he gave you a promise some of us we got to start remembering remembering and knowing that God has called us so we need to continue in our prayers continue to push through I know you may not see it materialize I know you may not see it come into the natural but my friend keep praying keep pressing your son will come your daughter will come you will see a change you will see the circumstances change but first you're going to see a change in you there might be a change in who you are with every head bowed and every eye closed and you're saying you know what I know that God has called me this year I want to push like never before I'm going to see something happen like never before if that's you I want you to slip out of your seat right now come to this altar and say God I want to push like never before come on